That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Never gonna be president now, never gonna be president now, never gonna be... That's a little Hamilton for you guys, uh, because oh, we're, we're in a nice. little situation right now. Jake and I are recording this. Uh, after the election, but before there are results, so we're just hanging out in that inner intermediate period. But uh, so, Jake, how are you doing psychodynamically in this uh, crazy time? Well, I'm hanging in there uh, because, um, well, I hate both parties. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> not really. Uh, so, but um, no, I'm hanging in there. It's um, it's it's stressful. There's a lot of um, I'm sitting in my office and. Uh, there are helicopters flying all over our building, and uh, so um, uh, because there are things happening across the neighborhoods here in New York, uh, protests. But the suns are going, the sun is going down, and who knows what that means. Hmm. But um, so, and uh, I have a family that lives in Arizona, and um, and so it's just an interesting time. So once again, um, you know, uh, it's going to make it for an interesting Thanksgiving. Uh, yes. Uh... I'm just going to ha- attempt to have my mouth full the entire time so I just don't have to talk. Uh, the Waco is relatively peaceful, I'll say. I mean, you didn't ask, but I know you're wondering. Uh, mm, I was. Yeah, but uh, who knows? We'll see. COVID is, is going like gangbusters over here in Texas and mm. many places. Uh, so, the, yeah, lots going on. And I will say, <laughs> by the way, um, last time we had a presidential election, it was pre-same old song. We were not doing this then. Um, and, uh, but this, so this will be our first presidential election on this podcast that we're talking yeah. about. And I would encourage people, uh, and this is just, this is just me talking here, uh, to address it obliquely, uh, in that the, everybody's, this is not to say that it is never appropriate to address, to address politics from the pulpit, but again, Everybody already has their opinions. You're probably not going to convince right. them of anything. Uh, the only thing they can hear at church that they can't hear anywhere else is a word from God to them in their lives, whatever they're going through <clears throat> right now. So if there's something, hold on, I got some little Marco Rubio moment. Got to get a drink of water. Yeah, but a word of a word <laughs> of forgiveness and a word of comfort is what people need to hear. And um, I think that uh, you can diagnose the situation, and Mm -hmm. that's what I did in my sermon uh, uh, last week. If you'd like to listen to it, you can. But, um, you know, I diagnosed the situation of what everybody's feeling, senses of anxiety, senses of control, and feeling out of control. Um, and But then you bring the balm of Gilead into it. Fear not, there is one who is in control, um, yeah. and uh, one who is your peace. And, uh, and the truth is, is that... Whether, whether we have a Democrat for a president or whether we have a Republican for a president, three things will remain the same. 
Um, one, um, uh, Jesus is Lord, and uh, he, that's where your loyalty is. Uh, two, he's given us a great commission to uh, baptize and make disciples of all nations. And uh, three, um, your neighbor, Democrat or Republican, has been made in the image of that Lord, and you are called to love them yeah. and uh, forgive them and be present in their lives. And uh, I want to shout out Jim Monroe, who uh, gave me a wonderful gift today. It's a mask, a COVID mask, uh, made by Homeboy Industries. And if you don't know what Homeboy yeah. Industries are, look it up, but it's amazing. And um, But it says, not us and them, just us. And uh, that's, uh, I think, what we need to remember during this time, and uh, especially in Jesus. Yeah. Not as Americans, but especially in Jesus as Christians. It is just us. And I think, too, the other thing to remember is that when there's a sermon that addresses sort of a, a, a global or national crisis or issue, and I'm not saying that there's never a time for it, but just know that the price that you may be paying for that as a preacher is that nobody feels like you actually said something to them. Because they are also, while these national political things are going on, they still have a child on the autism spectrum. They still have a spouse who is emotionally distant. They <laughs> still have some major anxiety and self-image issues. Um, they still have um, a crushing sense of guilt that's with them all the time yeah. or feeling like they made the wrong decisions in life. So Amen. they have political opinions. They don't really care that much about what you think about them unless they, you agree with them. Um, and if you have preached about some big issue, but they leave church with no actual word for what is nearest and dearest to their heart right now, um, then I think we've done them a disservice. It's not, again, not to say that you can't talk about it, but, uh, but as Jake said, diagnosing the problem and applying the balm of the gospel, both uh, in, a, in a big, in a macro level and a micro level, what's going to be important. So uh, I feel like we're on a bit of a soapbox here. Jake, you and I did yeah. not talk about haranguing people about their preaching before the... So maybe this is a movement of the Spirit. Maybe it's just our own need to correct things that we see out there in the <clears throat> world. But So take well, this I if did, it's helpful well, or move on. I do want to say, though, something about, because I've uh, experienced uh, kind of new liturgies that are coming out of this moment, and they're really terrible. Um, you know, I do want to say something about um, in uh, periods of social unrest, uh, preaching the gospel can be very powerful, and uh, preaching politics can fall um, uh, on deaf ears, and as, as a matter of fact, can alienate people. And the same is true with liturgy. I am seeing across the board, all sorts of places, um, you know, liturgy that is being inspired by this moment, and it is Pelagian, it is, uh, it is uh, unhelpful, it's not timeless, it's time-sensitive, it in other words, what I'm saying is it'll be completely irrelevant in 20 years, and um, it is me-focused. And, uh, and so what I want to say is, is like, right now, um, especially when the world is shaken up, we need to cling to that which is actually familiar and that which com conveys the hope of the gospel clearly. And so, you know, uh, don't tweak your liturgy at this moment, mm. um, you know, to, to meet a moment and to be, you know, culturally relevant, you will be irrelevant um, in no time. Yeah, that's right. And we do have great prayers in the prayer book already, by the way, for almost any national situation that you can think of. Uh, yeah, no so need just, to like, yeah, go back those. to the, yeah, use those. All um, right. 
Praise God. Let's get to the Bible. And to our and, listeners, uh, whenever Jake and I do get off on these uh, soapboxes, just use that little skip ahead 30 seconds button. Just hit that like five <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah. Be good so, to go. um, All right. So we're, this is, we're nearing the end of ordinary time, the end of the season after Pentecost. Finally, uh, Advent the is end just of our around second the corner. Year. I know. I know. Happy mm. second birthday. We're, we're terrible twos. Um, because, yeah, next we're going to be getting into year B. We started with year C. So, anyways, we got two Sundays left in year A. Uh, this one, which is the 20,000th Sunday after Pentecost, and mm-hmm. next Sunday, which is uh, Christ the King. So, um, it's it's all, as some people say, it's almost like a pre-Advent Advent. Uh, mm-hmm. It's almost beginning to get into some of those ideas of the return of Christ and all of that apocalyptic stuff so we'll start to see that here and just know that your your people um uh are going to be thinking about um heading into dark days difficult times all these sorts of things so we begin today with judges four one through seven deborah making a cameo what's up deb and then we turn (laughs) to first thessalonians chapter five and then Matthew 25, but not the really hardcore Keith Green song part of Matthew 25. So that's right. Uh, we're, that's we're starting next with week. yeah, that's next week. So Judges four, one through seven, totally cherry pick this passage. It's like the only thing in Judges you get in the lectionary. It just talks about Deborah. There's for like no, five seconds. For five seconds, it's like it's like a clip. It's like a teaser, and there's you don't get the narrative. Uh, you get yeah. Mount Tabor mentioned in there, which is the rival high school to my high school in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, boo, Mount Tabor. <laughs> the and, Mount Tabor uh, Canaanites. I don't even remember what they're... <laughs> the fighting Canaanites. We were the so. R.J. Reynolds demons. We were, that, was our, <laughs> that was our mascot. Um, I don't know what Tabor was. Anyways, uh, there, and the, the thing is about the book of Judges, there's some great stories, but it is like the Quentin Tarantino so, book of the Bible. It's uh, really is. dude getting a shiv in his gut, and he's so fat in the bathroom that they find him there later, but they can't find the knife because it's buried too deeply in his belly fat. We got and, Sisera, who's mentioned in today's passage, who gets a tent peg driven through mm. his head into the ground. All that good stuff is not included yeah. in this passage. So there, anyways, nobody's going to preach on this, but if they were to do so, Jake, what should they say? Yeah, well, I think, um, so, yes, Judges is violent, and there are six judges mentioned, and it is epic. And uh, Deborah is the third judge, just in case you want a little background. But basically, what you get here in Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, which is our lectionary reading, is kind of that first paragraph is all about kind of, this is the narrative of how Judges plays out. So it says, the Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So Israel went in after Joshua, and they were supposed to clean Canaan out of all of the the Canaanites and uh, to really do what they said they would do last week in Joshua, obey and follow the Lord, serve him perfectly. And uh, what you find is that they don't. And so uh, the the book of Judges, and you see it right here in uh, Judges chapter 4, there's a cycle. There is, um, they are disobedient. They do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. They sin, which then leads to oppression, huh? And then there is repentance. They repent, and then God raises up a judge. And so if you were gonna preach on this passage, you could preach on basically the cycle of life. Uh, We all, um, we, we serve other gods. This leads to oppression, even as Christians. These are God's people. And so, and as a Christian, that's the same thing. We repent, 
God delivers us uh, and the judge is raised. But the good news of the gospel is what this points to is ultimately a real judge, uh, one who has taken on once and for all the enemies of God's people, judge which is Judy. not the Canaanites, but uh, no, not Judge Judy. Don't think of judges as legal judges. These were like yeah. tribal warlords. Yeah. That's who you're dealing with. Mad Max beyond Thunderdome. Yep. And so um, that's what's going on here. But, but God has raised up um, a real judge of the house of David, who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he has delivered you once and for all from your enemies, sin, death, and the devil, as we continue in this age to repeat these same cycles of disobedience, oppression, and needing deliverance. But you've been delivered once and for all. The book of Judges is like the yo-yo dieting book of the Bible. It's like, (laughs) I'm going to lose 10 pounds, I'm going to track my calories every day, and I'm going to walk three miles. And then by day four, you're like, pass the chicken. Uh, and there's um, a tent stake in my temple. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you, you, it's basically you fall off the wagon. And that's what the, uh, the Israelites do in the book of Judges again and again and again and again. Uh, and that's why it begins with this phrase, the Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So again is the key word because it is this cyclical pattern throughout the book. And if you've ever been on, if you have a cycle of yo-yo dieting or yo-yo sinning or yo-yo ma, oh no, he doesn't, he's fine. If you have any of those cycles of up and down, up and down, up and down, I'll get better and then you don't, and then you try to again and then you don't. That's what judges encapsulates communally. We experience that individually and communally. But that's what this is about. And, and it, again, it just shows, as Jake said, the, the point is that trying to get better on our own is never going to work and we'll ultimately we'll need, we'll need someone else. And, and it, it points us to Jesus. So let's skip ahead now to a book about Jesus, First Thessalonians, written by St. Paul to the church in Thessalonica. Nice little Greek town, island. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Whoopa! Hey! <laughs> uh, pass the uzo. <laughs> Just, it's okay. So, it's okay to make fun of some ethnic groups, Jake. So, yeah, and that was like. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember Austin Powers episode two, uh, season two, or was it season three? Goldfinger. Uh, um, oh, what is it? And the the guy who's the, the great spy line, who shagged like, me. Anyways, no, I don't know. But he's like, he's like, I hate people who hate other races, and I hate the Dutch. <laughs> you know, whenever my kids play Super Mario Brothers, I'm like, why is it okay to make fun of the Italians? Like, that's yeah, the last yeah. acceptable group. Like, oh, mm. I'm Luigi. Like, I don't know. Yeah. If it, we can't do that. For, anyways. I tell on. you what. Yeah, well, I have an Olive Garden joke. I'll tell you offline. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Direct so, cut. Uh, okay, uh, so first Thessalonians 5. St. Paul is writing to these Christians. We've talked before about how this was one of the first letters, maybe the first chronologically written in the New Testament. And it is Mm. about this question of Jesus coming back. When's it going to happen? We thought he was supposed to be here like 15 minutes ago. He's running That's what I was thinking. We can't get (laughs) a hold of him. Yeah. And so, but people start dying. Like Christians start dying before Jesus gets back. And so that's Uh one of the questions. So that's why he begins by saying, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. Like, basically, you don't know when it's going to happen. And this is why there's a, there's a high school in Waco, a private high school, Vanguard. And in their library is, is housed in the former building of the original uh, Branch Davidians. 
And oh, the, wow. So the school bought the property and now is housed there. And I've been in this space, and if you go in there, on the there's a mosaic on the floor of a, of a clock. And it's basically saying, like, it's about to happen. And I think the clock was even actually at the time when they said it was about to happen. But here, again, Paul says, throughout the New Testament, both Jesus and Paul, and every time they talk about it, they always say over and over again, you don't know when it's coming. Nobody yeah. knows when it's coming. The, the New Testament is so clear and unified in its voice on this. And so, but we always want to know, again, gosh, you know, as I said at the top of the, of the cast, we, we want certainty. We don't like living in the in-between times. Tell me yeah. who my president is. Mm-hmm. And this is what they, the, the Thessalonians wanted. But, but Paul says, you don't know when it's coming. Uh, just live as children of the light now and kind of leave the rest to God. Yeah, and the truth is, is that that stuff, um, it enables us to kind of deflect from the reality of our own lives, you know what I mean? Uh, And so, um, you know, I may be being persecuted, um, I may be facing this, I may be being ousted by my family, um, I may have lost my job, I may not know who the president is, but gosh darn it, I know when Jesus is coming back. So, you know, it gives us some sort of form of control, and, uh, and that's just not happening, and that's one of the reasons why we don't know. So he's like, you know, you don't need to have anything written to you about this because um, he's coming when he's coming. Right. And he says, it, you know, as long as you are in the Lord, you're okay, no matter when it happens. And he says, some people are going to be awake and some people are going to be asleep, i.e. will have de- died. That's in mm-hmm. verse 10. But the key thing here is verse 9. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Amen. Jesus Christ, who died for us. And so that's the main thing. He ends with that. It says, encourage one another and build each other up. So while we're waiting in an uncertain time, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, all this stuff is going on. Remember that you are Jesus is. Uh, he says, put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of hope and salvation. So those are defensive armor. That's that's not a sword or a spear. That's stuff you put on to protect yourself from attack. So he's basically saying you're going to be attacked, but the thing that will protect you is your faith and your love and the hope of salvation. Like remembering that you will be saved, remembering that you are saved, remember that God loves you, remember that he is holding you in the midst of this difficult situation. And like he says, God has not destined you for wrath, but for obtaining salvation. And this is, Annie, Anne Lamott always says, you know, God didn't bring me this far to drop me on my head. And uh, But a <laughs> lot of people, they live like that. They were like, well, yeah. God may have got me through some stuff, but now this this is where it's really going to end. And, yep. and we wait for the other shoe to drop. And Brene Brown, St. Brene Brown, says... Uh, you know, we dress rehearse um, tragedy. Like we're, we're mm. just so sure it's going to happen because we can't. It feels so scary to be uncertain and to be vulnerable, and and so, anyways, I'm I'm talking too much. Just hold on to but, Jesus, and more importantly, He holds on to you. Right, and you know, and he and he talks. He really um, he he hammers that home. We don't need to be afraid because. Um, for you all are children of the light and children of the day. You not know, of he the makes corn. That, that is a, that is a, that's a declaration, <laughs> not of the corn. That just, that <laughs> was like a, a grenade while. joke. I, like, it like hit me. No. I, like, <laughs> I pulled the pin waiting. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that is a power. He gives us our identity. And as children of light, indeed, you're not destined for wrath. And, you know, and the truth is, is that as we're kind of sitting in our own eschatons, as we're sitting in our own end times, it's important to encourage one another and build each other up with that, as indeed you're doing, to mm. quote St. Paul. You know, listen, brother, you're like the whole world's falling apart, but um, you're not destined for wrath. 
You know, yeah. and I think in, in times like that, this is what, um, and especially when we come up on the other side of the election, this will be an important thing to do, you know, because people are going to feel bad. People can feel angry. And, you know, um, to say, you know, hey, we are children of the light, you know, and, uh, and uh, we have a king who has not destined us for wrath, but has destined us for salvation uh, because of Jesus. Um, that, that's good news. And uh, we turn now to Matthew 25. But before that, I got to say, I forgot to mention the collect of the day, which is amazing. You don't always get this collect every year because it's so mm. far at the end of the season after Pentecost that sometimes you don't get to it. But it's blessed Lord who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ. And all I'll say about that is it's great language. Read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest mm -hmm. is some of Cranmer's most brilliant and genius language. But the other thing I would say about it is if you ever want to know what Anglicans, what Episcopalians believe about Scripture, what is our doctrine of Holy Scripture, it's basically all summed up in this collect right here and this collect has led some people to call this sunday whenever it comes up it's bible sunday it's this collect about the scriptures and so it's just a helpful thing maybe to underline with your congregation and just say that's why we have so much bible and actually all these passages which god has caused to be written for our learning and and to point us to our savior jesus christ and that happens in the judges passage it happens in the first thessalonians passage and it happens of course in the matthew 25 passage yeah and that's and if all i want to say about that and if you want to hear a great podcast on uh, the colics, uh, tune into our Triune Pod. And so it's really good. So, Throwing a um, bone to your associate rector, Ben DeHart. It's a genuine shout out. So okay. and uh, right. big up, big up Ben DeHart. So um, yeah, we come to Matthew chapter twenty-five, verses fourteen through thirty, and uh, this is another parable. Now uh, this parable, gosh, at face value, seems so terrible. It seems so unfair. You know, one guy gets ten talents, and the other guy gets like you know three. And um, do I have the numbers right? No. Um, <laughs> come on, Jake. I thought you cared he's about got, the Bible. One guy gets yeah. ten. No, one guy gets five. No, five one guy gets two. two and and one, one guy gets one. Gets one. Five. Two, and so when everybody, everybody, you know, they're like, God, that guy with one talent it sucks you know he's so unfair and i don't understand how god works here well you gotta like parse this parable and read it very closely and jesus begins and he gives us some clues right from the beginning of what's going on here and he says it's as if a man the kingdom it's as if a man going on a journey aka he's come he's died he's risen and now he's ascended and uh, he summoned his slaves <laughs> and entrusted his property to them. Whose property? Not the slaves. He's entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents. To another, two. To another, one. Here's another key thing you got to read. To each according to his ability. Mm -hmm. So this master is so thoughtful. He doesn't give the one dude oh, who can only handle one talent five. He gives it each according to his ability. He's so gracious. And then he goes away. And you have to remember a talent. A talent was a boatload of cash, a boatload of earnings. Like noble uh, men would not give their sons this much money in one yeah. sitting. Like that's something you have to understand as it's well. So much the Bitcoin, context. you could never spend it. In <laughs> it's a exactly right. And this guy, who does he give it to? He gives it to his slaves. Yeah. So that sets the context now to begin to understand what's going on here. Um, 
And so what do the slaves do, Aaron? Well, Jake, I'm glad you asked. They <laughs> invest it in different uh, ventures. Uh, one guy puts it all into a hedge fund. Uh, one guy all, um, puts it into a guy who launches a nationwide chain of dry cleaners uh, that cuts out the middleman. Now, we don't know you, what they... I love, I love how you went right to Wall Street. <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> Um, one starts a community garden, Jake. Uh, yeah, no, right. I have no, we have no idea what they do, uh, whether it's, uh, socially conscious, uh, no carbon One started an after school program for immigrant children. That's right. So, Shoes yeah. that can be recycled. Uh, who knows? <laughs> who knows? But they start, they do something with the talents. Uh, and, uh, one, the one who gets the one talent, uh, <laughs> Cletus, the slack-jawed yokel, just goes and, and uh, digs a hole and he puts it in the ground. And so, finally, the master comes back. And basically, this the is one the end had, of the, This is the end of the age, too. Like, that's right. the point of the parable. The, like, right. the master, it's not like Wednesday. This is, once again, following this theme. It is, it is the end of the age. Yes, this and, is what uh, we said, like, it's pre-advent. It's like looking towards apocalyptic stuff, which we definitely got in First Thessalonians 5, and now Matthew 25. So uh, he comes back and settles accounts. So show me what you did with the talents I gave you. And the guy who at five says, I did stuff with it. I've made five more. Great. You know, double your money. And uh, so he, you know, gets a big pat on the back and, uh, you know, he becomes executive vice president. And then the one with two talents, uh, he also doubles it. It's great. And again, reward, reward. It's great. Employee of the month. And then the last one comes up and says, uh, well, you know, I knew you were kind of kind of harsh and um, you reap where you did not sow, meaning you like steal, basically. Uh, and so I was afraid that if I messed up, you would obliterate me. So I just hid my talent in the ground, and now I'm giving it back to you. Now here, and, yeah. then he, says, and he says, "You're terrible. You're wicked." And I'll sk- throw you out, and whip, weeping and gnashing of teeth and stuff like that. And so many times we read this as like a, like a Aesop's fable, where we say like, "So this means you have to work hard and save and invest and and be a productive citizen." So God will love you, and if you're lazy and terrible, God will not love you. And we turn this into some sort of moralistic thing. But this is where it gets important, Jake, to go back to what you said in the beginning, that God mm-hmm. has already graciously given them everything. Yeah, see, this is the gospel. The and the problem is that this third guy with his one talent, he doesn't know the Lord. He doesn't see God as being gracious and forgiving. That's why he's scared to take a risk with his talent. And so because of that, he just buries it in the ground. Uh, the master is gracious and loving and forgiving if he had invested the talent and lost it all uh, that would have been okay because it would have shown that he knew the master as someone who was loving and gracious and forgiving that's right the, the sin the, the flaw the problem was that he didn't realize that God the master was loving and gracious and therefore didn't actually know him and so I uh, just had this idolatrous view of him as being like this horrible tyrant. And that is <clears throat> how many of us see God. So, you know, um, I think I'm always reminded of the Martin Luther quote where he says, sin boldly, so therefore God may um, show his grace even more. I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit. But there's a lot of Christians who I've known in the past who are afraid to do something because they're worried that if they do it, they might sin and they might get God angry. That's the same kind of mindset that is here. Like, you think God is, like, up there with his lightning bolts ready to zap you if you step out of line, which is yeah, not the or, picture we have of him at all. Yeah, and also, but if you see this as, like, the talents as the gospel you've been given. 
Yes. I mean, which is abundant grace, abundant mercy, abundant love. All of this good news, you know, uh, while we were still weak, God, God, God forgave, like Christ died for the ungodly. You know, Romans chapter five stuff. And so these people, they see it and they like, man, I'm going to just spread this everywhere I go. Yep. And the one guy, you know, he, the, the guy with one, t- he heard gospel. You know what I mean? He heard like, well, Jesus loves you and he got you in the dance, but you better learn how to dance to stay in the dance. You yeah, know what I mean? And gospel uh, just, is gospel and law combined together for those who yeah, and Jake is just, he's been nipping yeah, in the afternoon. <laughs> slurring. So, but, uh, okay, like, okay, what are they going to call the president? But, uh, um, uh, uh, that is like, th- that's the issue too. You know, it's the person who just doesn't think that this is that great to share. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, I, you know, I don't want to embarrass myself and I don't want to embarrass, like, you know, I mean, God, is he really that good? You know, and that's, that is it, man. It is, he didn't recognize who God was in his mercy, but you do. And uh, therefore, encourage one another, as St. Paul says, and build up each other in that during this time. God is good and he's blessed you with so many, not America's got talents, but the talents and treasures mm-hmm. of the richness of his kingdom. Uh, and yeah, um, yeah. And the, the one thing that's preachers interesting, preach that. Yes, that's right. And the, the where he says that. So if even if I am such a bad ma- master, like I steal and I, uh, you know, uh, I'm the bad guy you say I'm, then you should have at least invested the talent with the <laughs> bankers and gotten interest, which is just an interesting thing for him to say because that is actually prohibited in scripture. Usury, charging interest. It's it's the master saying, you know, if if um. That he would have, he's so gracious even that he would have been able to tolerate that. Like, again, this slave had this mentality that I can't do anything in case the master gets upset somehow. Um, and the master is replying, you didn't get that this was grace from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Jesus is being a little provocative there and in including even that that story because he's he's got, he's talking to people who um, who definitely saw God as this tyrant who might strike you down and... Uh, and they don't like Jesus because he is so gracious. He does give away the talents to everybody. So, anyways, uh, preach what Jake said. Uh, don't preach the gospel. And uh, remind people that Scripture is given that we can uh, know the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, which in this time, man, do we ever need it. Amen. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.